But I think the most important thing is when you travel and you want to get to communicate is when you make it about others and not yourself. When you want to understand their culture, their food and their needs. When you see someone that's struggling on the street and you don't know them, but you walk up, you make eye contact and you get a nod that you may help them. Then you help them unconditionally. Then the world unfolds in front of you and it gives you the blessings to be able to help others. And then the communication begins again. Hey everyone, welcome back to One Thing in Common podcast. Today's episode is a very special one to me because I get to have a conversation with someone who has made a profound impact on my life. His actions speak louder than his words. He is a man of integrity and his kindness to others is so admirable. He is a husband, a son, a grandpa, a brother, an uncle, a friend. He is my dad, David Hink. Hey Megs, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Dad. Doing great. Just finished having some coffee with you. Beautiful, beautiful sunny day in South Florida. Yesterday, we were kind of rained out. I think we had about 14 hours of rain out here in uh, West Broward. Yeah, it was a little intense. It's nice and shiny today, so I'm excited about that. It is gorgeous. Me too. Me too. (laughs) All right, Dad. So I'm so excited because you are one of the best communicators that I know. And I don't just say that because you're my dad. But I've seen you throughout my whole life communicate with others in such a special and effective way. How do you do it? Well, the first thing I like to do is try to get people to feel comfortable and at ease. And the other thing is I want them to know that it's about themselves. If I'm talking, I'm not learning. And if I'm talking, people are going to get bored with me. But when I try to be a empathetic listener and try to understand where people are coming from, the world just opens up. And it's a beautiful tool to be a uh, discerning and confident listener. Wow. I love what you just said. If I'm talking, I'm not learning. And I think I learn a lot from that in the mornings with you and mom when we have breakfast. (laughs) Oh, yes. And you're talking. (laughs) And you'll be talking and then mom just, you know, sweetly interrupts you. Mm. And then I just, it's so funny because I'm just standing from the outside watching y'all trying to communicate, but you're trying to say something and mom's talking. And then, you know, the person talking can't learn from, you know, when, when, when you're speaking. And I love what you said, because I feel like so much of what's going on in, in 2020 is a lot of people talking and a lot less listening. And it's created a lot of division and uh, walls and barriers within people. So how do you, when it comes to communicating with people that maybe just are talking, 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 how do you kind of come down to their level to understand where they're coming from? Because maybe what they're saying is totally different from what you're, what you think or believe. Well, I think the most important thing in communication is the way you get someone to feel and not so much the words behind it. So when someone is, is speaking, I really want to understand how they feel. 
And when people feel that you are feeling what they're trying to express, they need, they don't need to use so many words. They're going to then become more comfortable and opening up to you because they're not on the defensive or the offensive. So even if we're speaking about a subject that I may not think alike on, if I'm just talking to people that think like me, I'm just preaching to the choir. I'm not learning. And good conversations will take place when you talk to people that have a different perspective. My goal is not to change other people's perspective, but is to understand them and understand their perspective. And when I do that, we have an opportunity to basically tear down some of these walls. Whether I bloody my knuckles up a little bit more by pulling more stones down than the other, that's unimportant. The key is to let them feel that I care about understanding how they feel. Wow, that was really good. <laughs> um, yeah, you've definitely, I mean, even, you know, with me, sometimes we can disagree on certain topics, but you always try to understand where I'm coming from. You know, you'll ask me, well, why do you feel like that? Or where did that thought come from? And you try to get to the root of it rather than, you know, persuading me to think differently. You know, you allow me to discern and you allow kind of my convictions to kind of uh, guide me in that path. But I've really seen you model that throughout my life. And so thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. And it's a blessing. <laughs> I want to ask you, you know, when you've, you've done a couple mission trips to Colombia and, you know, my mom, your wife, Sandra. Hi, mom. Uh, she's Peruvian, right? So yes. many times we've gone to Peru multiple times. And so when we go, you know, Peru, a uh, Peru, <laughs> Spanish is not, <laughs> Spanish isn't your primary language, right? And right. you may not talk uh, as much Spanish as mom does, but when you go, you communicate with the people over there so well, even sometimes when they don't know a word that you're saying, it's like, y'all just, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It's very entertaining to watch. How do you <laughs> make those, you know, people that, you know, you talk about breaking down those walls, right? But how do you break down a wall with someone that doesn't even speak the language that you speak? Well, I think the key is words aren't as important when it comes to communicating as we may think they are. The most important thing is how do you make that person feel? Now, if I go to Peru or Colombia and I speak a lot of English and a lot of people want to understand, first of all, I'm going to be boring. Then they might not even understand what I'm speaking about. And it's going to be the typical protocol of what happens a lot of times with someone like me with extremely limited Spanish goes to uh, Latin America. Or I can go with a different mindset. My mindset is I want to embrace their language, their culture, their foods, their people. People feel that. It's all about how you make them feel. Now, I said I embrace their language, which means the limited vocabulary I have, when I do know a word or two, I use it. So I might only have a handful of words, but they love it when I use those words and it gets their attention and it gets them to try to understand me. But I think the most important thing is when you travel and you want to get to communicate is when you make it about others and not yourself. When you want to understand their culture, 
their food and their needs. When you see someone that's struggling on the street and you don't know them, but you walk up, you make eye contact and you get a nod that you may help them. Then you help them unconditionally. Then the world unfolds in front of you and it gives you the blessings to be able to help others. And then the communication begins again. I love that. I love that. You know what you said, it's not so much that the words that we're saying, but more how we're making the other person feel. And, you know, you don't need to say something to make someone feel a certain way. Sometimes it's more of, it's how you say it uh, more than the word you're saying and also your body language and, and things like that. So I can definitely agree with everything that you just said. And you did say a word that stuck out to me, uh, which is unconditional, right? Yes. And that's something that you've preached to me since I was a child is unconditional love, unconditional love, unconditional love. Like, I think I have that in like the back of my head when I go to sleep every night. What does unconditional, what does that mean to you? And how do you model that throughout your life? Well, the thing that I'm, that drives me is doing things unconditional. And what I mean by that is don't have a set desire for when you ask of somebody something. Do it because you're not getting the inside track on a contract or you're gaining something. If you help people, do it because you have the opportunity to help them. Don't do it because, oh, an eye for an eye, an ear for an ear. You help me, I help you. Some of the greatest times when I've helped people is when I knew that I'd never see them again. It's God gave me the opportunity and the grace to be able to help others. Don't do it in a self-serving way, but do it in a way that gives grace to God and to others. Don't make it about yourself. Unconditional means you're helping someone not because you're gaining, but it's just the right thing to do. I love when you said, I love everything that you said, <laughs> but you know, when that example you just made, you know, you love doing something for someone that you may never see again, because, you know, kind of at that point, the reason why you did it was truly genuinely just to help that person. And I want to ask you, has there been um, a moment or maybe a couple in your life that you've helped someone that you've never, you know, seen again, but that really made a profound impact in your life? Well, yes. Um, one time I was, uh, getting ready to, uh, to go surfing at Hallover and, uh, a little boy came running up and said, my daddy's drowning. My daddy's drowning. And we were out before the lifeguards, you know, usually go out daybreak and he got caught in a rip current. So I pulled the board out of the car. I was parked right near the brake, went in. And uh, because I grew up in the water and, and, and have followed different protocols as far as uh, life saving, it was easy and safe for me to bring uh, his dad in safely. And when I did, he was so grateful, but he said, please come with me to my car. I have to give you something. And I looked at him, I said, 
All I ask is that someday when you have the opportunity to give back, then give back and make a difference in somebody else's life. That's the greatest thing you can do. And that was one of uh, several times where you can actually save a life, help a family. But the greatest feeling is, what's in it for me? No, it's unconditional. Pass it on. Pass it on. Pass that lifestyle of doing good, doing grace for others. And the only thing you want in return is maybe a smile. That'd be nice. And then if someone asks, just carry it on to the next generation. Your child saw it. He's blessed by seeing others helping you. And that's going to make him to a better person. So I'm blessed by that opportunity I had. And I'm blessed that I didn't do it and expect anything except for grace back. Well, I totally forgot about that story until you just brought it up. I forgot about that. Wow. That's, you know, what's crazy to think is that that little boy will never forget that act of kindness that you did in literally saving his dad's life. Like he will never, and the dad probably will never forget that too. Right. And the one thing that you said when he was about to give you something was, Hey, all I ask is, you know, you do it, you know, something in return to someone else and pass it down, pass it down, you know, and it's kind of similar to the, what they say, like pass it forward Yes. where like you, let's say you pay for someone's Starbucks and Mm -hmm. you know, the person behind is like, Oh my gosh, you didn't have to. It's like, no, it's okay. Hey, just do it for someone else when you're, when you're getting coffee. Cause you really never know what that person's going through. You never know the day that they had you, you never know, you know, what they're going through and that act of kindness, the impact that it can have in either literally saving a life or just giving them a glimpse of hope to say, wow, I do matter you know, people do notice me. I am here and I'm here for a purpose. Yes. Well, I I feel in my life, it's not how long I live, but it's given the opportunities that God gave me, what am I doing with those opportunities to impact the planet and also to impact uh, people in a positive way? I like to think of trying to do, when I drive, I look at opportunities. If something was to come up, a car accident, can I safely stop and render first aid? And you've seen multiple times we've done that would be the first on and yeah. usually the last to leave the, uh, the scene uh, until even after fire rescue and, and uh, the state police uh, have left the highway. Um, it just, it feels good. And yeah, it's sort of, uh, it's a grace that, that it's almost a hunger that God gave me that when I have the opportunity to help plug myself in, don't look the other way and make good things happen for others. Wow. Thank you for sharing that dad. And I couldn't help, but think back to the time many, many years ago where we ended up, it was a car situation where we ended up following this person for a while. I'll let you share the story. Um, but basically kind of reading a situation and discerning discerning yeah that's the word discerning so i'll let you share that story so one of the things that's so important in life that that i see is read the situation discern look people in the eye 
and you can see a lot more than what they're, what they're saying. And what had happened, we had, it was on a Sunday, it was after church and we were on 595 Expressway in South Florida. And we noticed a car that hit another car and was weaving back and forth. And then they hit another car. So we had Caroline, Megan, y'all were in the back and Sandra was in the front passenger side. And we were had you had the top down. So I immediately asked y'all to wave the cars back, not to pass this car because he was going from the inside lane to the outside lane, looked like he was drunk or under the influence. So we saw him hit two cars, hit and runs, kept going at a high speed. And then he would slow up to about 20, 30, then he would speed up again. And we called 911 uh, multiple times. Then he made the turn onto the sawgrass. He blew through the pay station. Um, we went through, but told the, uh, the pay station to please uh, forward the information 911. We're following uh, multiple hit and runs from that car that just ran it. So we are following for about 10 minutes, get off in the exit at Parkland. And the car is extremely erratic. There's also a pickup truck that's right next to me, a little behind me, and we're keeping anybody from trying to pass us because the car's in front and he was hitting things. So he goes to a private community, gated. The guard lets him ride in and then we get to the guard and we said, that car is involved in multiple hit and runs. He said, well, you can't go through. I said, the police are coming. You call the police too. We're going through. So we went through. The gentleman stops the car that we were following and he gets out. As he's getting out, the gentleman in the pickup truck gets out with a baseball bat. He's thinking this person is purposely, with malice, hitting innocent people's cars, causing accidents, and not caring. So he was going to take matters into his own hands. But when I started walking up to the gentleman that was in front of us that had caused the multiple accidents, I could see in his eyes, he had no idea what he was doing or what happened. And he said, what is wrong? Why, why are y'all getting out of your car? Why? And the guy was getting ready to pass me with the baseball bat. And I said, stop. I said, look at his eyes. I said, he has no idea what he just did. I said, maybe he, it might be medications. He might be having a diabetic attack, but he's not drunk and he's not doing things with malice. I just, just stand back. The cops, you know, are, are approaching. We could hear the sirens coming. And he said, you're right. Like, there's something wrong, but it's not what I thought it was. Mm -hmm. So to make a long story short, um, he was supposed to be medicated. He didn't medicate. He, um, he could have taken multiple lives being off the medication. And, but I think because of what Megan did, keeping the traffic back, uh, me being able to help discern because the guy with the bat, 
you know, he probably would have hit him one or two times and he might've ended up in jail. He might've ended up killing mm -hmm. the gentleman that was driving. He ended up, we found out later he was an attorney and he would have been disbarred. Uh, they called me in for, uh, to speak uh, in front of the judge. And they asked, um, they already had cleared up the people that were in the uh, accident. And they asked for my testimony. And I said, look, he's a gentleman. He's a father. He's an attorney. Let's not take that away from him. What we do need is for him to promise to stay on his meds, to keep him on point. The last thing you want to do is tear him down and destroy him. And to this day, he's a practicing attorney. He's taking his meds and there's been no other issues. And this was probably about 18 years ago. So here again, in this division, this time of division, so often we don't know what people are going through. We might not know when someone cuts you off, if they're going to the hospital, they just found out the wife, you know, she just had a stroke. You don't know. Give grace to others. And it can be so rewarding in the end. Um, because so often in life, we don't know the hardships of others. I have goosebumps as you just share that story because I literally remember it as if it was like yesterday. But I remember being so scared because I was young. And, um, you know, when you got out of the car, I saw the guy with the baseball bat, like, oh my gosh, what's about to happen? And you just calmed the guy down. He said, look, this man has no idea what's going on. And you knew he wasn't intoxicated. Like there's a difference between someone's under the influence of alcohol and then someone that is like low, cause he was diabetic, yeah, low blood pressure diabetic. And he genuinely did not have an idea of what just happened, what he had done. And to me, it was a miracle from, I think we followed him for 40 minutes. I think it was 40 minutes we were following this guy. It was a miracle. I, I watching this guy drive home, how he got home alive. Yes. Because the way he was driving was, was reckless. And the reason why we kept following him was like you said, you know, protecting the other cars. We were at a safe enough distance so that this man wouldn't, you know, um, hit our car, but also at a distance where we're kind of waving the cars next to us. Hey, slow down. You don't want to go near that car. Yeah, just They're stay driving behind. recklessly. And yes. I remember, I'm like, God, why are we following this car? Like we can get injured, but you knew the situation. You knew something was wrong. And it took a while until there was, you know, outside help from, right. from, from, you know, the patrol cars. Cause they, the guy was going so fast. They really couldn't locate him where he was going. Yeah. So we kept having to be on the, I was, I think on the phone in the back with the cop, like saying, okay, now we're here. Now we're there. But being able to like you, what could have ended up so tragic for that man. Yes ended up being a very big lesson. Thank God nobody was hurt um, within the cars that were hit, the man, the man in the truck, no one was hit. But I will always remember that day as in, you know, you can never understand where the other person's coming from. And I'm sure that if that man's ever offered the opportunity to give someone else grace for something that they've done, he will always remember, wow, that stranger, I will never forget what he did for me that day in court and right. and you getting to the root of hey the root wasn't that he's a bad man no the root was he was he wasn't on his medication and that was the only thing that caused him to do that and you know the the what could have been a, a disaster for the gentleman in, in the pickup was if uh 
we weren't there, he, he might've taken, um, that anger out on him with the baseball bat. So you could have had two people, one locked up and one, uh, badly injured or, or killed. So just doing, uh, to be able to try to read people, give grace and understanding when, uh, things are happening out of other people's control to learn, to live and to try to make by our decisions, this planet and our communities a little bit better. Yeah, no, definitely. And I want to ask you also, you know, 2020 has been nothing short, but of, um, I just call it a wow year, <laughs> a lot of wows, a lot of uh, surprises and things that we didn't see coming. And one thing that I've noticed is that with communication, like we said before, there's a lot of, there's not a lot of listening and there's a lot of talking and it's hard to learn something when you're constantly talking. And I want to ask you that because you have friends on the left and right, you know, you have friends that um, just different views on the environment or religion or politics, but the way that you communicate with them. It's, you haven't lost any friendships I see. And it's so sad and it breaks my heart to see a lot of friendships uh, fall apart after years because of a political debate or because of disagreement with the environment or religious views where these people were friends or even family members for years. And then for one thing that they disagree on to just completely shatter that. And it really breaks my heart. And dad, I love it. If you could speak on this to, to the listeners of, you know, how, how, like, because you do this so well, when it comes to those friends that you agree to disagree with, how do you do in a way where you're not breaking the friendship, you're not ending it. And, but you're also willing to listen to them, you know? Well, one of the things too is, I don't try to, to get people to think like me. Um, I love to listen to people that don't live my lifestyle that may not be sensitive to the environment. Um, I want to listen to try new foods, new, new relationships and people to, because of that, I get a better understanding of why the right or the left thinks the way they do. If I'm just around people that think like me, then I'm preaching to the choir. If I'm around people that don't, I'm not going to try to change them by arguing, but sometimes I can change them, not meaningly, but they'll see how I actively want to be empathetic and understand why they feel the way they do, because there's something burning inside them that creates this strong bond either environmentally or, or it could be to the right or to the left. But when people know you care about them and how they think, and you're not trying to change them, they tend to not to try to change you. And we can just be so civil together. I could be civil with a business owner that might not be as sensitive to the environment or one that is. But when we have a chance to share ideas, we share ideas. Maybe some of those ideas will help change the decision-making that will better things in our lives and his business. But I don't have an agenda. My conversation's not about, I'm going to change you or the way you think 
is wrong. No, the way you think is not wrong. It's the way people listen, but it's also so much. I try to discern information, but I want to understand people. I want to understand situations. But also, if someone does something with malice, they're insubordinate, or they are wanting to harm. I'm talking about people with intention. I said, then that proactive, David, you got to put your foot down. So there is a point where you say no, but it's not when it comes to general conversations or I feel about this or that, because what I try to do is separate. I might be mad at someone's actions, but not the individual. We can correct actions, but I try not to correct individuals. And when I do that, then our friendships can, they, they build because like, David, you care about me. Like I did this and kind of messed things up for you, but you cared about me and you let me know it wasn't me you were mad at. It was the action that we've could have, you know, I could have done differently or he could have done differently or she could have done differently. So I think it's very important in, in these times to separate the actions from the individual. Definitely, Dad. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, there's so much to soak up in on that. One thing you said was, you know, you don't correct the the person, but their actions. And so many times I feel like people can get on the defense mode because they feel like, oh, you're calling me a bad person or they feel bad, but you automatically, I know you've done this with me, you know, you're like, you're, for example, you'll say, Megs, I'm not correcting you as a person. I'm correcting your behavior, yes. you know? Um, and then when I'm like, oh, okay. And then, you know, I learned my lesson, y'all. You know what I'm saying? But definitely, that's definitely impactful because then the person understands like, hey, you know, this David or whoever isn't out to fix me as a person. They're just trying to like these behaviors that may not be the best. Let's like try to work on those and come to a common ground. Amen. So Pops, got to ask you one last and final question. I'm ready. All right. And the question is, if you knew then what you know now, what would you tell your younger self? To listen and then follow through with your instincts. Follow your gut, follow your instincts. Most things in my childhood, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change. The couple times that I didn't follow my instincts, and I let others sway the direction I went on a particular decision. That's the only things I've regretted. So if I knew now, or if back you then, then, yeah, if you knew yes, then, you know now, <laughs> then it would be follow your gut instincts. Follow your gut instincts. I love that. I love that. And I can definitely say the same. Follow your gut. Definitely. That's a good one. Well, dad, thank you so much for joining me at the kitchen table today. Well, thank you so much, Megs. It was a pleasure. And I'll see you for dinner. You bet. God bless. Bye-bye. <laughs>